very DIY. Love it. Love <laughs> it's it. so yeah. I I mean, I like the whole idea of like having a studio and stuff. Yeah. But I, that costs a lot of money. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I think I've heard that the one that Mooch uses yeah. is got is relative is relatively cheap for like an hour or so. Oh. But, so that's. Maybe potentially can be an option for me, but uh, I like. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How are you though? Are you alright? Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, I'm alright. Um, I, I probably said this already, but congratulations on popping your MC cherry. Thank you. Thank <laughs> how, you. How do you feel now that you've done it? Um, or how did you feel straight after doing it? Because it's a different skill set. It is a very different skill set, and I actually. I feel like in the imminent, like in the immediate aftermath, I was like, "Fucking hell! I can't believe I just fucking did that!" Yeah. Um, and it, I was so nervous. Yeah. So so nervous because like, I think my num, I mean, I feel like most comedians' number one fear is like getting up there and like, having to interact in a way with the audience that, that might kind of not go well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how to do the audience, like interaction and crowd work and that sort of thing. But, um, but I made it, I made it through. Yeah. And I was actually looking back on it, I was like, oh, I, it was minimal. I actually did minimal crowd work yeah. because I was still slightly afraid of that. But then as time went on, I was like, oh, um, I, I began to really understand the benefit of having done the MC thing. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, suddenly I feel much, much less afraid to go off piece from, like, the stuff that I've planned to say, inverted commas, and the stuff that I've scripted, inverted commas. Yeah. And I felt way more free to kind of just have a chat. Um, and, like, in the aftermath, I've definitely seen how how it's helped my like my gen, like my, my other stand-up, yeah. so I kind of want to do it again because I, I I don't think I'd ever want to kind of get into the habit of like running my own night or being like a proper like you know MC that turns up and does stuff for other people because I just don't think it's necessarily exactly what interests me, but it's definitely a really really valuable thing to do to help inform um, stand-up in general mm. and kind of how that works. I'm not gonna lie, I almost prefer. Um, I love it almost as much as I love performing stand-up. Really? Like, it's because I did, when I was younger, I used to work for a lot of summer camps and stuff, so, and obviously they'd have a lot of end-of-the-week shows and stuff. Yeah. So I'd sometimes be introducing the kids' groups as they come on. So that is, it was kind of, it's for me going back and, like, bringing that little bit of my life back. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. It's an insane thing because it, I love the fact that it, the whole night can rest on you, and I don't, and I think pressure's, it's a scary thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it makes you, it can make you do a better job if that makes sense. I think so. I definitely think so. And actually, I know what you mean because, like, um, being involved in like theatre and stuff, um, one of my go-to kind of money-making survival jobs mm. has always been teaching. Yeah. And I get, you know, I teach with kids quite a lot, and so. Um, what age do you teach? Sorry? What age do you teach? Uh, I did it, like, I've done, like, ages, like, oh, God, the worst ones are, like, four years old. Like, oh. Two, three, four years old. Yeah. And it's just tots. And you're, it's, you're basically, like, a fancy babysitter in this oh, scenario. Yeah. Um, but then um, all the way up to, sort of, like, 16, 17, 18, and that sort of thing. So always kind of in a drama context. Mm. But, yeah, the, actually thinking on it, 
using those it's a, it's a lot of the similar skills to do mm. the teaching and the emceeing and actually to a degree as well comedy yeah because i feel like with kids if they if they get even the slightest whiff of fear or uncertainty mm-hmm. they pounce yeah and like they test you and they're kind of like oh it's, i mean it's the reason why supply teachers get absolutely fucking of ripped. course <laughs> i'm quite we're quite lucky in my school because we've got um we kind of the teachers kind of cover each other if one of them's off. Right. So there's not really the whole having to get a supply teacher in to get absolutely destroyed by a bunch of rabid 12-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, who are like, fuck you, miss, you're not my teacher. (laughs) 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 I feel so, like, but it's the same, I sort of feel like with audiences. Oh, yeah. Like for stand-up, because I feel like if a crowd senses fear or mm. hesitation or anything yeah like anytime i've started like slightly dying on stage and then kind of got into my own head about it mm. then I, I i know it becomes a vicious cycle where then the audience pulls back even more yeah because they're kind of like oh god she's not oh she's not with us like, yeah and then they pull back and then i pull back and then they pull back and by the end of it you're just like well that was the worst five minutes well, I do see, I do think that there's no, no real difference between a class of 12 to 13, 26 to 12 to 13 year olds and a group of semi, well, semi-drunk audience members and, and a, a comedy night. There's no difference. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, give people alcohol and their inhibitions are always going to be lowered a little bit and they'll always kind of, well, there's also, I mean... I think the younger the child, perhaps the easier it is in some respects, because like uh, the younger the child, the more likely they are to trust you in some way and kind of be like, okay, you're the teacher, I'll follow your lead and listen to what you have to say. But like with adults, there's, I think, I mean, I'm not wanting to immediately jump into like being like mm. feministy. Um, it is International Women's Day. Yeah, it is. Um, well, is it today? Happy International Women's Day Thank to you. Thank you very much. I feel very proud of having a vagina. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but I think that there's a degree of like, if you're an adult and you're in front of other adults, there's sometimes there's a degree of like, go on then, prove it. If you think you're funny, prove it. And if you're a woman and the crowd is male heavy, it's even more pronounced. Yes, it is. They're immediately like, oh, you think you're a funny fucking woman, do you? Go on then, make me laugh. Go on. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know how to. And um, those are, yeah. I think in some ways, actually, yeah, for that reason, adults are even harder. Yeah. Because they've got that kind of like hardened, world-weary, cynical edge to them mm. that children don't have. You'd be surprised. <laughs> but yeah, that, you bring up a really good point, actually, that it is genuinely harder for female comics, especially because of the audience members who we tend to get in our circuit, well, on our version of the circuit anyway. Yeah. Which yeah. is not exactly quite the mainstream circuit. No. no. But they're audiences which expect mainstream from open mic, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that's it. And I think that... What am I trying to say here? Let me think before I start garbling and saying bollocks. I'm not just garbling, say bollocks. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's like, in some ways on the open mic circuit, it's it's quite rare to get what, I, what I've now come to think of as like mm. um, real, inverted commas, audience. Because mm. often it's full of, you know, bringers or yeah. other comedians. And there's a kind of shared understanding among that group of people that by and large you must and should respect women for getting up there and doing, yeah. you know, like, no longer, I think, 
largely speaking, are mm. women treated in the way that perhaps they were a few years ago no. on the circuit. But, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't fucking around then, so I'm just we making could, I think I think we could probably name a couple promoters which are, are, are deviate from that role, but we yes. won't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, won't. we won't. We won't. Yeah, we won't. Um, Everyone's lovely. <laughs> but by and large, um, the, the rooms are quite kind. Yeah. But I found that, like, on the rare occasion where I've stepped out of open mic and done kind of, like, semi-pro mm. or pro stuff, that's when the gloves really come off. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that... Well, your gloves come off or the audience gloves the come audience off? The audience's yeah. gloves come off. That's true. I think that there's, I think I did one that was, I can't remember, but like afterwards, I mean, I, I was the only female on the bill. Um, surprise, surprise. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and afterwards, a couple of the women came mm. up to me from the audience and they're like, you did such a good job because like, it was a largely male audience and they were mostly hostile. Yeah. <laughs> um, not, I mean, not hostile, but like, I think immediately took that emotional step back as soon as I kind of came out. Yeah. But also like, fair play to me, like, as in, I will hold my hands up and be like, at that point, I wasn't ready to do a semi-pro gig in yeah. that way. Where was, like, the, where was the gig? Um, Southwest London. Southwest London, okay. Yeah. So again, like, <sighs> quite kind yeah. of upper middle kind of comfortable yeah. people who were paying to have a lovely night out yeah and so a i didn't deliver enough to provide to, to fulfill that criteria because i'm oh. still fucking learning um but also b um a lovely night out in the comedy world usually means i think for a lot of people a dude getting up and kind of doing like ba-dum, 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 yeah. gags yeah. and kind of like hard and fast laughs yeah um and I just haven't, yeah, I haven't got that style okay. yet. Um, I don't know what that, I don't know how to achieve that. But also, um, I just wasn't good enough at the time. <laughs> and, but I think one thing you've got to real, I think, have you gigged outside of London before? Mm-mm. Okay. Outside of London, when they're a paying audience, there are a lot, like, especially when you go to like these, um, what they're called, um, stop-off towns, or like, um, I can't remember the exact term for yeah. it, but... Uh, commuter commuter towns. Commuter towns, yeah. Yeah, when you go to these like commuter towns and it's like a monthly event and it's in a community centre, or whatever, they are way more appreciative, and than a London crowd is because you got to remember that when you're in London, no matter what night you're doing, you're going to be competing with the top secrets, the comedy store, yeah, everything yeah, else that yeah. they could go to. So they're going to be going to even if it's the free comedy night, expecting that level. Something that's, yeah, Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you weren't good enough. It just means that they had a higher expectation than they should have. Yeah. Well, it comes back to that thing of basically someone sitting there and kind of being like, go on then. Yeah. Please impress me. (laughs) Or maybe it wasn't that they were hostile, were they smiling? Yeah, I think think a lot of them were smiling. Yeah, Yeah, so it wasn't that they were exactly hostile. They just weren't. And the, the middle classes don't laugh. Oh, no, yes. I, I'm, ge- I'm genuinely serious. I've had uh, conversations with pro comics about this. Yeah. And they say that the middle classes, generally speaking, are harder to look, harder to make laugh than the working class than the working That's classes. So interesting. Because they've been to the theatre, they've been to the Michael McIntyre World Tour, they've been to yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah. else, like, just like I like just like I have, but. When you go, do you go to a working class audience who just who um, if you get more of a working class audience, this is generally speaking as always. Yeah. Go to a working man's pub, 
and it's full of people who just can't who just come from the building site or wherever else. They want to have they just they want to have a laugh and let themselves go. It's harder for a middle class person to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's so. Or they, or they're more willing to laugh at themselves. That's what I should say. I think yes, yeah. that's exactly it. And I think that the inhibitions for, I think, middle and beyond classes are slightly higher. Yeah. Um, and more entrenched because I think social etiquette means more. I think, yeah. Perhaps, and they've been drilled to. But I also think it's really interesting that you make that point about theatre because obviously I have theatrical background. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> Which we're going to talk about. In a minute, but, yeah, um, and and it's yeah, there's a contract that often occurs. It's a covert contract, which is like you buy a ticket and you go into a room and you shut the fuck up for two hours yeah. and watch people do things for you or at you and you'll maybe you go, ah, or yeah. ah, or whatever. But it's very, very rare or has been up until kind of maybe like the last five, ten years of theatre mm. for the audience to then give something back. Yeah. Um, and I think that if, yeah, unless you've been exposed to that, then yeah, it's really easy to kind of just expect that if the if the lights go down and you're on one side of a stage, mm. you don't nothing's expected of you. Yeah. And that's why actually like I really, really appreciate it when MCs make a point of basically being like, your laughter is what fuels the night. Yeah, that's true. Um if you give your laughter, then they do better and you have a better time. So yeah. like be generous. Um obviously don't laugh just because no, yeah. To be polite. If you're not if you find something funny, don't fucking laugh. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, that that thing where people smile rather than laugh, it's like, oh, if you could just take it up just a couple uh, more notches. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but one thing I like to say as an MC is uh, is um, buy drinks in the bar because laughter because um the drink well the more you drink the funnier time you have and the funnier the comedians will get. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just social lubricant. Yeah, it, it is. is so. I mean, I'm not advocating alcohol just for anyone <laughs> who may be under the age listening. But like, if you're in a comedy club and you do drink, yeah, what's stopping you? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, there's then there's a fine line because you like I'm I'm so grateful that I've never had like proper drunken heckles in yeah. that way. But I feel like I do worry that what happens when people drink to the point where those rules then become subverted yeah. and they're kind of like oh i can fucking say anything like way and like start shouting out because i'm just i mean i've been doing it for about a year now so i yeah. should be less afraid of it what? and maybe 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 i am less afraid of it actually yeah but but yeah there is a fear still that like if someone's too drunk then mm. they might end up i don't know turning to get my tits out or something uh, Usually, I've found it's usually the women that get more drunk than the men do, or because or the or the men will hide it a lot better. They'll be a bit more quiet. The yeah. women in the audience when they're drunk, they'll be the louder ones. Like I had as I gig in, I did a gig in Cambridge a few weeks ago, and there was a very very loud, quite drunk woman talking for everyone's set, and people were generally just ignore the comments were generally just ignoring it. Yeah. And she made a comment when I was on stage and I was like, yeah. And she made like an, oh, I was like, yeah. And then she just shut up for the rest of my set. And you know, she came up to me in the night and gave me a kiss because she thought <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it was her birthday. And I was like, fair, right. I was like mate, fair play to you, man. Right. I'm glad you had a lovely night. I mean, I want to go and get my Uber, so let's not, <laughs> let's not do this. But... Let's wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think 
They do, yeah. Heckles can be a good thing, man. Because I think I prefer a heckle than silence. Yeah, in some, yeah. I think, mm, I I think you might be right, actually. Because I think that if someone shouts something out, that is at least like a challenge in that moment that like is a real thing that I can respond to. You can work with it. Exactly. Whereas when there's just sort of like silence... Oh God! Oh, it's the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, like my butt's clenching just thinking about it. <laughs> so, question: um, How did you get the job at Spotlight? Um. Well, I mean, I, I've been, I, so I've, I've been involved in the theatre world for however long, and um, I'd finished my MA um, uh, at Central. Um, and I spent basically like a year after that, literally just like, I had my own theatre company, but I was also like, I was fucking about being a waste of space, basically. I was... As you should in your 20s. Well, like, yeah. If you can't fuck about being a waste of space in your 20s, when <laughs> the fuck are you doing it, Eliza? When? Yeah. Um, I was... And I was really conflicted, and I was trying to... I was sort of bouncing between, like, working... I did, like, an internship in a theatre. I was doing, like, um, like sort of contracted... Fixed-term contracts at, like, um, a couple of, like, theatre-related, like, charities or whatever. Mm-hmm. Always, like, for three, four months at a time, earning fuck all money. Um, Sounds good. Just because I was desperate to get into the industry. And then... Um, Basically, the answer is good old-fashioned nepotism kind good. of helped me. Um, I was desperate for money. I was des- I was asking everybody, like, hey, do you know of anything? And at the time, um, this department at Spotlight basically ran entirely off of... Which we're recording, uh, recording this at, so thank you very much, Spotlight. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time, this department was almost entirely kind of... Um, the front of house and uh, casting assistants and blah 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 were mm-hmm. kind of all freelance and a pal of mine kind of said oh you know then they might be needing like someone to jump in on reception and so i came and i did a, like a trial shift and i obviously wow the socks off smashed them. it, um, smashed it. <laughs> and um and i started freelancing for them and then a few months later they were kind of changing and they said we've got a kind of full-time job going do you want to apply for that mm. um and i said oh at the time it was very like i don't want a full-time job because that means that i'm like you know working for the man like, yeah yeah i'm like i'm selling out and i'm blah 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 but i i kind of swallowed my pride and i applied and i got the job and um i've basically been here ever since okay um because they are very in, in a lot of i mean i don't want to talk too much about spotlight because Strictly speaking, they're not necessarily um, allowed to endorse stuff like this. Um, but but yeah, I, I've, I've been here ever since, and okay. um, I love it. Okay, I love yeah. it in a lot of ways. It's very, very, very difficult in a lot of other ways. Yeah, as with uh, every job. Exactly, and okay. some of it will make it into my stand-up. Your autobiography. <laughs> um, but I have to be careful as well, because yeah. obviously, you know, it's a company that does a lot of really good things for a lot of people, so... Um, yeah, um, but yeah, and I and, and I've been here ever since, and I yeah, and so I I do get the occasional perk of being able to be like, oh, if the building's free, can I book some space and use it for my own stuff, which is yeah. what I've done. Well, nice. um, so thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm forever grateful for this. So you talked about doing the theatre for a little for quite a long time. Mm. Um, what do you remember? What it was that got you really into performing, or when it was. Right, so I was, um, fucking hell, I was, I've moved around a lot. Like, when I was a 
I'm Turkish. I talk about yeah. it. I'm terrible. Quite a lot. You may have um, said it once or twice. Yeah. Just But, you know, I was born in England, but I grew up in Australia. Um, and then we came. I love how you had to do the accent for that. <laughs> I know, it's the only word that stuck. There's a couple of words that I say with the Aussie accent, but anyway. Um, I grew up in Australia, I came back here when I was like 14, so I moved around a lot. And when I when we moved out to Australia, I think I was how old? I was about two and a half, maybe three, and it was really tough, really, really tough, because um, I think that it's, Australia's a wonderful country in a lot of ways, but my experience of it, and certainly my family's experience, I think, is that um, there are pockets of Australian society that are inherently just wildly xenophobic and racist. Yeah. Um, that sounds about right, but then again, that's the British effect on it. Well, well exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a country that was born out of imperialism and colonialism. Yeah. So, ultimately, the dominant inverted commas um, culture is going to be one that withhold like holds those ideals yeah. to a degree. Um, and and so yeah, I I had a quite. I think I was I was a very very shy, and I am a very shy person naturally. Like I. I I'm very, very shy and I'm very kind of, uh, I, I like to be on my own, I think. And I, I think I'm that's a lot of comics though. Yeah, yeah. We're not always on. No, yeah. not at all. And I, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking as a kid and as an mm. adult, I spent a lot of time kind of being like, what if this and what if that? Blah, blah, blah. And I think that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, blah, blah, especially. <laughs> and... Um, and I, I, I think that my mum, bless her, she kind of wanted to give me an outlet and kind of, I think she saw that I was struggling at mm. school because the combination of being quite shy, the combination of being like literally the only the only foreign kid in a school full of like 400 people. I think it was like me and a couple of like East Asian kids and that was it in my school and maybe a couple of people that might have had like mixed Aboriginal background. Yeah. Like white meets Aboriginal, and like they must have got it bad. It was hard. Like it was yeah. if you had a weird name, which I did. Like my 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 real surname was actually a different surname, which I'll go into. That's a whole story behind that. Yeah. But um, but but yeah, like it. So the combination of being quite shy and also being effectively a very obvious foreigner, um, meant that I was having quite a quite a tough ish time at school, mm. and my mum decided I think to kind of give me a nudge and so she signed me up to drama classes and it changed my life um I suddenly was able to like come out of my shell and relate to people and I was given a space frankly to be weird Mm. that I wasn't allowed to be in school or in like regular settings um because the thing is like and I think that I fell in love with performing in that way, but without really it being performing, it was just license for me to be a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of carried that because obviously then we moved. We moved a lot. We moved... Um, what, within Australia or different places? I was lucky in that after a couple of initial quite moves, like early moves from when I was like... We moved from Western Australia to Queensland and then we moved from... Um, in within Queensland, we moved from like three or four different locations in okay. like houses and stuff. But this is all very condensed in like a couple of years. Uh, but then the bulk of my childhood was spent in this one town, in this one house, which I was very grateful for, thank God. Um, but then when I was 14, we kind of moved to England and then we moved to the north of England and then we moved house within England and then we moved um, 
with it from the north of England to the south of England. And so there was a lot of big wild stuff. And the thing that always kind of grounded me was that I would kind of be like, where are my drama clubs at? Yeah. Where are the drama kids at? Where's the performance happening? I can get involved with that. And it instantly gave me a way to, I think, kind of make friends with people yeah. and kind of gate because drama's project-based, the theatre is project-based, and when you're working on a project closely with people, inevitably relationships are formed. Mm. Some of them are fraught, some of them are um, lovely and wonderful, and it became a way for me to kind of, I think, forge bonds with people where I wouldn't have been able to otherwise because I'm quite a shy person. Yeah. And even on the circuit now, like, I've been going for a year, just over, and like, there's a few people that I would say like, oh, I know them, I like them, and I think they know and like me back. Yeah. But I wouldn't presume to think that anybody on the circuit would necessarily call me their friend. Yeah. And it's one of those. Is I'm kind of I'm sort of in the same. I've got I've because I'm going for like nearly two years now. Yeah. I've got a few people who I definitely would call a friend and I think I've got people who I've like a few more people and I think I'm you including this bit where it's building up to that point yeah but it's one of those things where we don't see each other really outside of the context of comedy yeah but that's fine yeah like that's perfectly that's perfectly fine because I mean I know that if I do meet up with these people if I do meet up with comics yeah outside of comedy it will turn into a comedy conversation <laughs> Nine times out of ten, it will it will turn into essentially another open mic night, mm, but mm, just in mm. a just in a Weatherspoons or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, or you'll end up getting into the nitty gritty of like, well, it's about it's like this on the circuit, yeah, and mm. I find it this way, and I find it that way, and whatever. And I think, but, but again, I think that if you're in any way creative with people, that like it happens in the theatre world as yeah. well. A bunch of like actors might get together and end up talking about oh. You know how hard the industry is and kind of mm. what jobs they've been on and blah 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 and then theater makers might get together and talk about the injustices of the industry and the gatekeepers yeah. and all of that yeah um and so on and so forth i presume that writers might be the same yeah um everyone's got their own problems man well it will exactly exactly and um, there's obviously going to be groups within within the groups because yeah. we are technically we are the outside we're all the outside like oh. if you're on this comedy circuit you're an out you're an outsider but then there's always going to be um, an inner group within that outside, within the outsiders. Yeah. Question is, do you really want to be within that inner group? Because I'm kind of kind of bothered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like, um, I mean, like there's, I think part because because I spent so much of my childhood and my youth um, basically feeling like an outsider. There's a real yearning that I have to always kind of be like, but I want to be part of them. I want to be, I want to be part of the in group. I want, I want, I want in. Mm. But there's another part of me that also feels like, actually, I'm totally fine just being yeah. outside. I'm totally fine kind of having my own little group of, I think, like reject friends or losers, yeah. um, and kind of being like, hey, losers are cool too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I also think that. You know, I'm a little bit older now, and so the idea of like social cliques and stuff like that, while I don't necessarily think that they matter, um, and that you know, I I'm I'm also not foolish enough to think that they don't matter. Yeah. I understand that they don't, but I also know that they do. It's a kind of like a weird. What do you explain that? What do you mean? Well, I sort of feel like 
ultimately, if there is an in-group, and actually, to be honest, I can't even, you know, like sometimes when you have these conversations, you think of people in your head and you're like, this person is who we're, you know. Yeah. I actually, it must be a good sign, or maybe I'm just so outside of the circuit that I can't think of who it would be that is part of an in-group or part of like a leading clique Mm. in that way um, for the circuit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, What am I trying to say? Um, Oh, you're saying it very well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that if there is an in-group, I can't necessarily think of who it is, Mm. but if there is, while I do recognise that it's really good to have so I think really it boils down to support yeah. because really it can be quite, certainly I found it can be a very lonely, torturous, gruelling thing to do. Yeah. And I feel like if you have pals who know what it's like yeah. and who are there to kind of share that experience mm. with you, it becomes easier and it becomes worthwhile, mm. I guess, because ultimately the things, something if you do something hard, sometimes it's not necessarily even about like the end goal. It's about kind mm. of also having people around that make it worthwhile to do. Yeah. And I think that if you are lone wolfing it, mm. then I imagine, and I sometimes feel this, it can be really, really torturous Yeah. because you're on your own and you can't share in these experiences and the silliness and kind of, you, you know, you can die on your ass mm. if you've got a support group and a clique, as it were, or kind mm. of close pals in the circuit, and you can talk about what it feels like to die on your ass mm. and have somebody else come back to you and be like, mate, mate, I fucking know what you mean. Let me tell you about this one time. And you can dissect it a little yeah. bit and you can share in that pain yeah. and help bring each other up. I did that recently because I put um, a couple of weeks ago. I went to a gig outside of London and died on my ass horribly. I didn't say it to, I didn't put it to anyone in particular. I put it on my Facebook story, on my Instagram story, because I realised that like a lot of people will only post when they've done well. Right. And I was like, yeah. I, I didn't even feel bad or sad about dying. I was like, because it was there were things out of my control, which yeah. meant this gig's just not going to go well. Yeah. Right? And I went, I didn't go in with that mentality, but when I realised what was happening, I was like, all right, okay, cool, whatever it happens. So <laughs> I just took a selfie on the train saying, this is the face of someone who just died on the ass. Yes. And then Stephen Catlin, within, yeah. within like three minutes, messaged me saying, babe, do you want to talk about it? Oh, what a lurch. <laughs> I know. Lurch. I was like, yeah. And I said to him, I'm not even sad. And, <laughs> and yeah, I think, it is, I think, really, there are a lot more people who are probably on your side than you may think there are. Yes, yeah. It's just that, because in the context of a, of a comedy night, yeah, they've all got their own nerves and they've all got their own thing. But if you try and speak to them, like, afterwards, then they'll definitely be willing to talk to you. I think so. And I found that, like, often that is the case. Like, there, there have been times that I've come off and kind of, like... Not necessarily like visibly cringing, yeah. but kind of just sat there like staring into a drink, kind of being like, ugh. And then like I will maybe like catch someone's another comic's eye, and we'll kind of like have a like knowing like, yeah, Woo, yeah, that was a rope, yeah, kind yeah. Of moment. And then and then it will be nice. Um, and I think that that's that's always nice because I think that <laughs> comedians get that about about the the, the craft inverted commas. Um, but I think that there, 
it I think also part of it is like coming to it like a little bit older. Yeah. You know, um, coming to it kind of when. Oh, one sec. We're, okay. we're being interrupted. Yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. Um, we had a minor interruption. Yeah. Um, cleaner's got a clean. <laughs> cleaner's got a clean. Um, I can't remember what the fuck I was saying. Man. Well, we were looking at open mic nights and catching comedians' eyes and support groups. Yes, and support groups. And I think that there's perhaps a subsection of comedians that might have a larger support group mm. and kind of they might socialise together and blah, blah, blah. And, um, well, it's one of the... Because I've noticed that, like... I, like I, I'm, mm, when I was in my 20s and doing, like, lots of, like, theatre stuff, all of my friends were theatre people. Yeah. You know, we all were either actors or directors or producers or whatever. And... Um, and and we we would work together and then socialise together and party mm. together yeah. and it goes without saying but I suppose that if there are comedians in their twenties it's a similar thing yeah um and I like yeah I feel very aware of the fact that like an open mic finishes and I'm basically like I've got to go home like, yeah like there's yeah I I feel bad sometimes that I can't join in on the sort of social frivolity mm. of everything. Um, and I'm sure, actually, that that's more in my head than anybody else ever possibly notices or yeah. gives a fucking shit about. Because yeah. nobody's thinking about me. Everybody's thinking about themselves. Mm. That's the thing that I need to remember. Um, that's my own neurosis coming in because yeah. I'm a shy person. And I yeah. sometimes berate myself for not getting involved more. But that's by the by because ultimately it is a very, very supportive Yeah circuit yeah um so you just reached the end of part one of my conversation with the wonderful elida arden if you liked what you heard click up and listen to part two